community tied with curriculum and mentorship is so much more powerful than just learning something on YouTube for hours and hours and then releasing it to the world after it's been constructed in this silo because you need to kind of fire test it with people who are more talented than you. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, I'm excited to be here today with Michael Gilbride. Michael was a former Wall Street corporate bond trader who left the world of finance in 2020 to pursue his solo indie music project, Telco, full-time. In that time, he's released his debut single, Say Hello, and was featured on Spotify's Fresh Finds in September of 2020. And so really, he's kind of walking the walk of being a musician himself, as well as becoming the general manager of Mastering.com in 2022. And Mastering.com is a a partner with us, a modern musician. They're awesome. They basically help there's an artist and, and mastering engineers learn how to really master the craft and the art of music mastering and build a profitable business. And so I'm excited to talk with them today about... Um, really the opportunities that are available to you as an independent musician nowadays, where there's sort of, you know, it's a pretty amazing landscape of opportunities, both in terms of your music and you being a creator and being an artist, but also taking your skill set and you know being able to, you know, coach and you know, being able to, you know, share what you're learning with other people. I think there's kind of an interesting path that you can you can potentially take where, you know, it's as a creator, you're a content creator. And so maybe part of your music business can be both being creative, but then also, you know, kind of coaching and working and, and serving other people. So definitely interested in geeking out a little bit more with you. And uh, Michael, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I'm stoked. I'm, I'm excited to chat. Heck yeah. Awesome. So to start with, I would love to hear just a little bit about your story and how you got started and became, you know, the general manager of mastering.com. Yeah. So um, I guess it starts probably back when I was still a trader. So I, I worked three years as a corporate bond trader on Wall Street and I knew I wanted to be a musician. So basically coming out of college, I knew I had to fund myself somehow. And I thought, well, I might as well go to a job where I can make some good money and pour all of that back into my own artistry. So I went and worked as a trader for three years, would come home from that job and focused solely on writing music. So would come home, spend my evenings working on music, go to bed, just kind of do it all over again the next day. So what happened was I hit what we tend to call like the intermediate plateau with my music production, right? It, it sounded okay, but it didn't sound ready for it to be released. And I was self-producing at the time. So I said, okay, I gotta, I gotta, you know, improve my production skill sets. And, and that's when I came in contact with mastering.com as a student first. So while I was still a trader, I was going through their online program, um, you know, which was like mentorship and curriculum and all that stuff. So I'd come home from work and I would focus on that. And Doing that program was the key that unlocked that first song, Say Hello, the one that I released. Got it to the point where I finally played it. I took it out to the car and I listened to it. And I was like, oh my gosh, it actually sounds the way I want it to for the first time ever, which I'm sure a lot of indie musicians know the pain of bringing it out to the car and not having it sound right. So anyways, I was a student first. I had amazing success with that program. So fast forward a couple of years to 2020 when I left that job to pursue music full-time in opening on the mastering 
comm team opened up. It was like part-time. It was all virtual. And I was like, this is great. I'll pay my bills. I'll, I'll make some connections in the music industry and then I'll continue to work on my own music. So I joined the team and then I was so passionate about what we're doing and helping all of our students and stuff that kind of worked my way up and eventually became uh, GM for the company, you know, kind of effectively running the day-to-day for the entire operations. And that's how I got there. And it's been amazing. And I can, I can talk to you about all the amazing benefits of being a full-time working, you know, person in addition to being an artist, but it's been an amazing journey so far, but I was originally a student. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And mm. yeah, I think it's a great reminder to that, that you can pursue your music and you can have a you can support yourself with other forms of income that you know that can contribute to to the music and you don't necessarily have to i don't know like there's different ways you could do it and i you know i remember with with my band paradise fears we started out we support we worked at like high v grocery stores and we saved up money to like invest into the music but then we for probably about like a good 2 years we lived in what you could call like poverty, poverty, extreme artist poverty, yeah. like you know, living in our vans, like Walmart parking lots, eating peanut butter tortillas. But you know, there's you don't necessarily have to. You know, it doesn't have, it doesn't have to be one way or the other, right? Like you can find other paths to support your music career and to bring in income, even if you're still working on your music career and getting it to a point where it's profitable and sustainable in and of itself. Yeah. So yeah, I think. Go, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's like the romantic version, right? Your experience is like what every artist thinks the experience needs to be like nowadays. But the problem is, is that you have to do so many things nowadays as an artist, content creation, and you have to market yourself and you have to be at industry standard production before a record label even considers it. That's like, you need money for those things nowadays, right? Like being in poverty and still trying to get your stuff, you know, on playlists and marketed and distributors and all that stuff. It's, it's impossible. So you need to find a mechanism for funding yourself nowadays. And I had shame about that for a long time. I'm like, am I a sellout? Cause I'm working as a trader, but turned out to be the best decision to, to put back into my music. No, that's, uh, that's so true. And such a, such a great reminder to kind of bring on here. Cause that is something that I think is maybe something that's outdated or sort of like a broken mindset is this idea of attaching, I don't know, uh, uh, artist authenticity or creative authenticity with being a broke or like a starving, starving artist. And I, and I can say that, you know, the part that led to our success with our band wasn't necessarily the fact that, you know, that we were in poverty and that we were starving artists. It was actually when we found a way to generate some, some serious revenue (laughs) that things started actually taking off with our band. You know, for, for us, it was like, you know, we started doing what we called tour hacking. So we like, we walked up to fans waiting lines for shows and we literally went like and sold CDs side by side to fans waiting lines for shows. We sold 24,000 CDs doing that in about six months. And that funding is what allowed us to be able to invest into our music and and our artwork. And yeah, it's, you know, in order to plant a tree and plant and to nurture it and let it grow so it has fruits, it doesn't just come from nothing, right? You have to be able to invest and you either invest your time and or you invest like your money in fertilizer to be able to grow the tree. And so it is a really important reminder that, you know, that it's okay. It's okay to make money. And if you want to like reach as many people as possible, then you should open your arms and be like, yes, like I want to make as much money as possible so I can actually invest more back, back into the music. Yeah. I think that's something though, that's that a lot of people don't talk about because you have to work one way or the other. You can either work as a barista or you can work in marketing or whatever. And 
and you got to just pick up whatever skills you can from those jobs as well. I learned so much about email marketing and, and finance and all of these things. And, and now I can apply that to my music as well. So that's mm. the perspective with which you go into it. Mm. Awesome. So maybe a, a good question in that case would be for anyone who's you know, listening or watching this right now, who maybe they, they really want to do basically what you did. Like they want to be able to transition from another job that's currently supporting them or is kind of paying the bills, but maybe they're looking for a way that's in more alignment with their music so they can kind of focus on you know, creating and you know, being like a, like have a, have a job working in the music industry or something like that. What would your advice be for someone to be able to start taking steps towards making that transition? Yeah, I would say like, first and foremost, you have to network, you have to, you have to know people. Right. And what I always explain to people is that you have to be in the position to get lucky. Right. So I knew Blake, the founder of mastering.com, you know, prior to quitting my job. And so when a role popped up and I threw my hat in the ring, I had a, you know, a better chance of getting that job because I knew him at that time. So the thing is, is you want to fan the relationships that you have any, any that you have in the music industry. And I had next to zero, but I had a couple, right. And so like, I had to fan those flames for as, as much as I could. So that when I transitioned out of my finance job, I at least had a couple possibilities of doors that I could be knocking on. And then the other thing is you have to, you have to really kind of be courageous. Cause when I was, I was quitting the job in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic and it was an amazing paying job, right? Like you have to really, really make sure you want to do music if you're going to make a leap like that. So make sure that you have a plan, make sure you, that you have some safety nets, some savings, some levers to pull if things don't go as well as you hope. Because I thought, you know, a year after I quit that job, I'd be touring, but it doesn't necessarily work like that. So you need to have plans in place and contingency plans. And there's nothing wrong with being organized and having a concrete plan as you transition out of that. So don't just hand in your two weeks notice and expect that you'll be touring within the next, you know, two months or something like that. Cause as you know, it's a lot harder than that sometimes. Mm, for sure. Yeah. Sort of like, I must imagine like a tightrope walker. And if you're about to like go out on the tightrope, then you want to make sure that before you get on the tightrope, like yeah. you look at this, you have the safety net below you. So, yeah. so and that's going to give you more confidence and the ability to like more confidently walk out on the tightrope. Cause if you don't have that safety net, you know, do you think how hard is it going to be to get yourself to actually take a few steps out there? Because you know, gosh, if I, if I do fall, I'm, I'm out of here. Right. And I think that is something that might kind of hold back a lot of artists because they're like afraid of releasing their music, afraid of putting themselves out there because they're afraid of, of falling and hitting the ground. And even that is balanced too, because you're never going to have the perfect safety net, right? Like there's always going to be risks, no matter how much you try and plan. So right. at some point you have to say, I've done everything I could to put myself in the best position to be successful. Now I'm going to take a leap of faith. It's never going to be a perfect safety net, but you can at least do things, get some things in place to optimize like the situation that you have available to use. And, and that's all you can do at that point. And then you got to take the leap of faith and hope that the net's there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. Cause it, it totally is possible. And in a lot of cases, like it's easy to lean in the opposite direction where, you know, you don't put yourself out there, before, even though like, you know, the most important thing is to, you know, it's like, if you, if you want to, if you want to get good at shooting free throws, there's only so much, you know, kind of planning or strategizing yeah. that you can get, like before you throw the free throw, at a certain point you have to let go and throw it and see where it lands. And it's probably not going to land in the net the first time you throw it. Right. But through that process, you're like, okay, I need to aim a little bit more to the left now. And you keep throwing it and eventually you can, you can get good at actually making it in the hoop. Yep, exactly. Yeah. 
So it sounds like one of the things that you mentioned was that you started as a student. You, know, you started as a student at mastering.com and that's part yeah. of how you're able to build a network and build a community. And it seems like nowadays there's so many opportunities to to build a network and build a community. What are some recommendations for, like you had mentioned how a really important part of your story was kind of fanning the flames and kind of building some of those those connections. What advice would you give for people who are looking to start to build a network and starting to to build these relationships so that they can you know fan the flames? Yeah. Well, one thing that I've tried to do, especially now, is kind of like stepping into the music industry is figure out like, where can I add value? Because a lot of times uh, when I've noticed, especially in like independent music scenes, that things are very transactional, right? I'm always asking you to stream my song, or I'm always asking you to pre-save my song, or I'm always asking you to watch my music video, right? And no one's ever thinking like, well, what can I provide to you first? And so the first thing that I tried to think of is like, okay, what are my skill sets? And so coming out of wall street. I was like, okay, well, I know finance, I know business, I know some strategy. I know what makes a company grow and, and things like that. So who needs that? Right. And then of course, you know, the founders of mastering.com and musician on mission who we partnered with, like that was an attractive skill set for them. And so I started meeting with them and discussing ideas and providing value with no expectation of anything in return. Right. And so eventually, you know, when roles opened up to become more integrated in the company, then course they came to me and, and asked because i had been there providing value throughout this time so i think switching that sort of i'm sure you see it all the time right people think if i could just have a conversation with michael walker like you know, i could get him to listen to my song somehow i'm suddenly going to become huge right but it's it's actually the reverse it's like okay what can i offer so that i can have an actual you know mutually beneficial relationship and then have a friendship and then who knows where it goes from there and then you end up having this network of friends and co-workers that are willing to help you out when the time comes when you release a song or you need a track mix or master or anything like that now i have people that are my genuine friends that are willing to help me out because i've helped them out All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast, or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two-week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're going to get access to our entire Music Mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're going to have our Music Mentor Spotlight Series. And that's where we're going to bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now. And one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community. 
And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of Music Mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're gonna have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you wanna take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast, supporting the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. It's such a, a fundamental truth that the way that you approach other people, if you're approaching them from a standpoint of what's in it for me and how can I take you know, something yeah. out of this relationship, it's just a different energy and different you know, overall relationship that you're building versus if you approach it and and you're truly focused on providing value and, and serving the other person. You know, even for anyone who's listening or watching this right now, if you even just like think about if you ha- are walking down the street and someone like approaches you and they want you know something from you, you can kind of just feel it like right away. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, this is like someone like wants to take something, wants to take something. Versus if someone truly approaches you and they're not, there's no strings attached, they're not trying to take necessarily anything from you, but they're, they had an idea or they had something you know, that they wanted to, to help you in some way, then it's hard to, I don't know, I mean, I mean it's probably possible to take it the wrong way, but usually it's, it's difficult not to appreciate and like someone who's literally at just is looking to serve and provide value to you without even asking for anything in return. And that reciprocity does you know, ironically, it does, it, it leads to building a better relationship that does, it's a win-win for everyone involved, you know, where it does kind of go back, back and forth. Yeah. And I've done both to be fair. Like in the beginning, when I, when I first released my music, it was just like text everybody, ask them to stream it, ask them to pre-save it. And, you know, people help you out to a certain extent, but when you get to your third and fourth and fifth release, right? Like people are sick of you asking for them to do things and so really you have to rely on like well what have i done for other people and who's willing to actually now really help me on my third and fourth and fifth release and that's usually going to be close friends people who actually appreciate your art and what you're doing and so having that network once the initial surge of people who help you with your first debut and things like that goes away that's for me like what's going to be sustainable over the longer term awesome one thing that I'd love to dig in with you is around this idea of mentorship in general, you know, because it, it sounds like your know, mentorship has, has been really something that's been a, a crucial part of, of your journey. And, and also it just it is something that I've really come to appreciate because of, you know, my mentors and the people who've changed my life and they all have their own mentors. And, and it seems like the most successful people, you know, they always have a mentor. And even in our blockbuster movies and stories, there's always like this, Yoda figure or Dumbledore, there's like, you yeah. know, the mentor is, is such an important part of it. So I, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about maybe the value of, of mentorship and, and, you know, what, in your experience with, with mentors overall. Yeah. This has been actually like an interesting transition over the last couple months. When I was working in finance, I was the only person involved in music, right? I was the only person I knew that was doing music because obviously I was in the world of finance. But when I stepped into the world of music and I joined mastering.com, pretty much not pretty much every other person was more talented than I was. And at first, that's like a very insecure feeling that you have. And you want to over control everything and you want to prove, okay, I can make this song. I can mix it. I can master it on my own. I can produce it on my own. But really 
when my music started to take like a next step up was when I actually started to utilize the people who were better than me and lean on them for help and guidance and support. And that's a tough thing to do as an indie musician, I think, because it's, you have this very like you against the world type of mentality. But if you can surround yourself with people that are all better than you, then the only thing that you have to do is, is grow at that point and learn and kind of soak it all in. So everybody on our team, like our two founders, our coaches, our gurus are all more talented than I am, which means I have this massive wealth of knowledge that I can constantly ask questions or I can constantly get support or help or have them review my mixes or whatever the case is. And so I think mentorship, like if you're lucky enough to have people that are smarter than you, that are better than you at music or better at production, that is a very good place to be. It's better than being the smartest person in the room because you have nobody, nowhere to grow from at that point. So I've benefited a lot from it. I've tried to help people that are earlier in their journey than me and pay that forward to them. And if you can constantly do that, then, then you're much better off than being siloed off by yourself and in a solo environment. Mm. 100%. Yeah. That's, that's so well articulated than yourself with people who make you feel like, you know, people who are at the next level, you know, the people that are more talented or maybe not necessarily more talented, but just are a bit further along, you know, a bit further along and they can, they can teach you. Mm -hmm. It's probably the fastest way that you can, that you can grow in almost any domain. Like if you want to learn how to become a better X, Y, Z, you know, go surround yourself with the person who is the X, Y, Z, who's like, you know, currently doing it. It seems like yeah. that's just like a, a key to achieving mastery, anything. And most of like the you know, most successful producers and artists and entrepreneurs, like, you know, they all have mentors that helped, helped guide them. And, and one point that you, that you brought up too, that, that I think is one that's maybe less, less talked about or less, you, you know, something that that's also really important is how you're continuing to pay it forward as well. So like, not only are you being mentored, but you're also mentoring other people as well, who might be a little bit earlier along. And that's something that I think is really fascinating that we all have inside of us, that it's almost like we need those two pieces. Like we need to mm -hmm. have a mentor, but also we need to be able to mentor and help other people and kind of pay it forward in a similar way. So maybe we can talk a little bit about, about your experience with you know, mentoring other people and you know, did anything kind of come up for you when it comes to mentoring other people? How has that experience been as it relates to you know, your, your own journey? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I think maybe helping other people is probably more fulfilling than being helped in a lot of senses. For me, like I said, I'm anybody who knows me, I always say I'm, I'm not the most talented producer. I'm not the most talented musician or vocalist or songwriter or anything like that. Right. But I have experience I've done, done this now for a couple of years and I know where my potholes were and, and where I got stuck and hopefully trying to help people that are earlier in the journey. So my experience with helping people mainly comes through the students that we work with on a day-to-day -day basis. And most of them are exactly where I was when I was still a trader, which is that intermediate plateau where it's like, sounds good on my headphones. My friends and family like it. I take it out to the car and I want to rip my hair out because I just played it against a Harry Styles track and it just, it doesn't, it doesn't quite hit the same way. Right. And that's like a horribly discouraging place to be. And I remember sitting at that point and being like, is it me? Is it my talent? Is it, am I just not cut out for this? Should I quit? And so a lot of my mentorship has been coaching people through that intermediate plateau, kind of opening their eyes to the other side of music production that tends to get forgotten about in education and, and teaching them 
you know, outlining path to get through that and to get to the point where they have a song in their head, they can get it out into the world in the way that they hear it in their head. And then it's just up to them to write a great song. If they, if they write bad music at that point, if I write a terrible song, that's on me, but at least you can get it out the way that you hear it in your head. And so a lot of my coaching and things like that has been outlining that path for people and then passing it off to more talented people to, to teach them on exactly how to do that. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's, and it's one thing, you know, one point that you just brought up, that I think is overlooked a lot because, and I can re- relate with this, like a lot of people, when it comes to being a mentor, I remember when I was first starting Modern Musician and I was kind of transitioning from touring full-time with, with Paradise Fears to becoming a dad and becoming a father and, and, and starting to become a coach and, and mentoring other, other artists. And for me, there was a lot of challenges that came up around just like, I don't know, it's kind of one popular term for it is like imposter syndrome or sort of like, Uh who am I to teach these other people? Like there's people who are way more successful than I am. Like I'm, you know, I just tried did some stuff with, with my band, but I was just one member in the band. And, and so there, there was a lot of this, like, I don't know, self-doubt or internal conflict around this idea of being a mentor and helping other people. And one point that you brought up that I think is so, so important to, to appreciate is that if one, I think that every human alive, in order to be fully fulfilled, like you need to have both a mentor and you need to be a mentor to other people. Yeah. I, I do think that's just like a, a fundamental part of being a, a human. But also that no matter what point that you're at, there's always going to be people who who are earlier earlier on, like who you can't help, who you know, who you the experience that you've been through can help you know help them avoid unnecessary challenge or unnecessary struggle. And in some cases, you might even be a better mentor than someone who's much further along than you mm-hmm. for that very reason, because you can actually relate better with them and you remember and you understand what it was like. You're a few steps ahead of them. So you can just say, hey, I, you know, I just went down that path. You know, if you just take the left there, like you're going to avoid an extra yeah. 10 weeks of, of struggle. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely you know, something to, to remember is that, you know, it, that, that feeling of who am I to mentor and help other people? Yeah, almost everyone has that, but but also if you can kind of flip it and be like, well, who am I not to to help these people? Like, you know, you actually do have value. You can serve people. You know, you're, and you know. you're doing more of a disservice by leaning into the imposter syndrome than you are like fighting against it. And that's the thing that I've had to come to terms with because at any position that I ever had in my life, whether it was a trader on Wall Street to musician playing up on stage in front of people or in this role as general manager, I've always felt like somebody's going to come in and be like, oh, this guy's a fraud, like get him out of here, right? In any position I've ever done. But it's in those positions that I've grown the most and I've actually helped the most people. So if you sit around and you wait until you feel like I am 120% ready for this, you will never do anything. And so sometimes stepping into shoes that are slightly bigger than like what you're actually capable of filling is the best way to not only help yourself, but to help others. And it's very uncomfortable at times, but that's been something that I've been trying to get a lot better at. And I'm sure you've done it yourself and have felt that feeling quite a bit. Mm. That's powerful. Yeah. Cause I, I know that as musicians too, for people who are listening to us, like this, this is one thing that comes up, you know, it's sort of this fear of, being exposed as being a fraud or like inauthentic or like, or, or like, you know, who am I to, you know, be an artist or to mm-hmm. like, you know, kind of to, to express myself in, in, in this way. And, and, you know, being able to, 
being able to come to terms with that that feeling and, and recognizing that you actually do have you know value to express no matter where you're at even if you aren't the most you know produced talented like you know artist in the world yet that's okay you don't have to be someone that you're not like you know yeah. no one starts out and they're just you know the best artist in the world immediately like everyone has to go through that that phase earlier on and even in that phase you have something truly valuable that you can offer that those bigger artists can't even offer mm -hmm. Right. Like you can offer this level of connection with your fans of like one to one contact and, and serving them in a way that isn't possible in the same way as you continue to grow. Yeah. Everything's an advantage if you look at it the right way. And that's the thing is you just have to constantly continue to iterate. Like first track I put out, like the first EP I made, like I didn't use grid, like everything was off time. Stuff was not, it was a mess. Right. And then the second one gets better. And then I've got two tracks now that are getting ready to come out and it's like, they're the best tracks I've ever made. And you constantly are making the best stuff you ever made because you're always learning. But had I not made that first EP, I couldn't have made the second EP. So I could have planned and planned and planned and planned, but I would never grow as quickly as if I just put it out, make it, and then keep going from there. Even though I felt like a fraud at the time when I released it, you know? Mm, absolutely. Yeah, and one piece that I'm curious to hear in, in terms of your your process is it seems like one of the parts that's really important in order to be able to learn and grow as you're releasing these songs. Because if, if all you're doing is just kind of like putting out a bunch of stuff and you're not even like, I don't know, listening for feedback, you're not, you're not learning from anything you're putting out, then that's one thing where you could spend a lot of time, but you're not really gathering or gaining the iterations, right? You're not really able to iterate on it because mm -hmm. you're not getting that feedback. What do you recommend for, for artists as a way to really kind of best leverage their releases and, you know, to be able to grow as a producer and to improve their, hone their craft as quickly as possible? How do they, how do they generate the right kind of feedback? And yeah. Yeah. The one thing that I've stopped trying to do is send my tracks basically to friends and family. The, mm. the worst type of feedback that you can get as a musician is good feedback for the most part. I call it like positive gaslighting, right? My mom loves all of my songs, right? <laughs> Which is amazing, right? She's supposed to, but it's hard for me to ever learn like what I need to fix or work on if you are surrounded by people who love you and want to support your music. And so you need to find people who are kind but also critical and can poke holes in it and have the knowledge base to be able to do that and so like obviously that's what we do with mastering.com but like you know finding these communities of other talented producers who are willing to say i know i have room to grow you have to set your ego aside you have to be willing to let your track get ripped to, sh to shreds because it's the only way it's ever going to get better and i mean i think you're starting to see that more in the private education space, right? That used to take place at places like Berkeley or Full Sail or SAE colleges like that. And now that's kind of expanding out into these private education slash community slash mentorship, like you have with Modern Musician or Mastering.com or Musician on a Mission, like those types of companies. And I think community tied with curriculum and mentorship is so much more powerful than just learning something on YouTube for hours and hours and then releasing it to the world after it's been constructed in this silo because you need to kind of fire test it with people who are more talented than you, if that makes sense. Mm. That totally makes sense. <laughs> I think that's one of my favorite concepts I've heard in a while, positive gaslighting. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it's, it's a perfect description. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm sure almost everyone who's, who's listening to this right now can relate with that on some level of like, of how, 
how difficult it is or how much of a challenge it is to know how to improve mm-hmm. if you know if, if people have to kind of walk on eggshells or if they're just people who aren't really qualified to give feedback or you know the type of feedback that they're going to give you is sounds great johnny <laughs> keep, mm-hmm. keep making more music right but actually having a place that is a safe you know a safe place it's not the point of it isn't to like cut you down or to you know to yeah. make like to pick themselves up you know by you know, by putting you down but it's more about collaborating and we're all here to grow together and and we all have something to learn maybe we can talk a little bit about the idea you mentioned you know how important it is to be able to kind of put your ego aside and to accept feedback constructive yeah. feedback in, in the right way which you know can be easier easier said than done sometimes right when it's we're talking about your music that's so like you know personal and private yeah. so how would you recommend uh someone can kind of draw the line between the right kind of feedback and kind of open themselves up, up and, and learning from it when they might feel a bit insecure maybe or they might just feel a little bit defensive like when when their music is being critiqued yeah it's a hard thing to do and i've been i've fallen victim to that a lot of times because when I quit that job, it was very much like me versus the world with my music. And so I didn't trust anybody. It was like, this is my thing. I quit. Everything's riding on me. I'm self-producing this. And then I released that EP. And what happened was I met a couple people, you know, a producer at a studio or for example, you know, people through this program or like our head guru, his name's Caleb. Suddenly you start to have these conversations and they start to poke holes or they start to tell you like, oh, you should improve this. And your immediate reaction is to be like, they're wrong. They don't get it. And you need to like move past that point and you need to say, okay, well, what are my core strengths? And for me, it was like, okay, I knew how to write a song. I knew how to vocally perform the song. I knew what the vision in my head was. But as far as like, mixing mastering you know some sort of aspects of creative production was like it's not my strong suit i had to do it because i had to because i didn't know anybody else but now i'm in the position where i can leverage people who are better than me and so letting that go and no longer saying i'm the best producer in the room which i clearly wasn't and outsourcing that to someone who is or allowing them to educate me on how to become better was actually a much better feeling than pretending like I was the best in the room. So if you can move past that and you can say, how can I leverage people around me better and actually utilize them instead of having to do everything myself, it's actually much more fulfilling than thinking that you can do everything yourself. And so it's it's hard. There's no real prescription for it other than the only way to grow is to set your ego aside and and let those criticisms kind of come through and and take them to heart and and just grow from them and hope that your next track is going to be better than your last one. hundred percent. Yeah. And you know, I think it's really helpful even just being able to have conversations like this, or even just like notice in your, in yourself, like the awareness mm-hmm. is probably 99% of it, right? Because we're all human and we all have egos and you know, you, and you talked about how you start, you started to notice, like you started to notice like when that feeling would come up. Mm-hmm. Right. And like the first step towards you know, being able to work through stuff like that is the awareness and just not- being able to notice it. So, so I think that, yeah, us, you being able to express in that way is probably going to help a lot of people the next time that they're in a room like that. And they're, you know, they feel that feeling come up, which is totally natural and totally normal. You know, we're all yeah. human and like, and it's our music, but to have that, that ability to be aware of it and say, oh, like, yeah, it's just my, my ego that's coming up and, and maybe I can just take it, I can let that go for a second and just, 
you know, just listen and, and be open-minded to, to see like what I can, how I can use this constructively is something, you know, is, is really like kind of the first step towards real change. And I think an important thing to realize too, when you're receiving criticism is you want to fence it out into two diff- different camps. You have like objective and subjective criticism. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the time people aren't coming to you and saying your song sucks or your vision sucks or your music sucks. They're, they're rarely ever saying that. Usually what they're saying is, is it's not as clear as it should be. It's not as loud as it should be. Maybe this note is slightly off or this was EQ'd improperly or compressed improperly. They're very rarely criticizing your actual art. And that's the thing that if you're going to take anything to heart, it's when someone criticizes your art. If they just said your song flat out is bad, but usually they're coming to you with like these technical objective aspects that need improvement to sort of reach that industry standard. And so that's the best criticism that you can get because it has nothing to do with you as a person. It just has to do with the science behind music or music production. And if you can have people who are capable of giving you that kind of feedback, it's actually incredibly helpful and they're not criticizing you and in your soul of what you know moves you as an artist mm. yeah yeah 100 one thing that i'm i'm curious to hear your perspective on is because i think this is something that is a big challenge for for a lot of artists is around this idea of wanting to be original and have music that sounds unlike anything else in the world <laughs> but but at the same time also wanting to create commercially successful music that mm-hmm. you know that is successful and that in, in one of the you know practices, you know, I think that is, is a, could be a, a super powerful practice is being intentional at having references and kind of putting your music side by side with you know other music that is a reference for you that that's like a role model. I'm curious to hear your take on you know the, the practice of having a reference and is that like like is that something that you would recommend in most cases and how do you kind of balance that need to have something original that's you know unique and that's yourself while at the same time still allowing yourself to grow by learning through you know standing on the shoulders of you know of, of giants yeah so again if i would have to fence that out into subjective and objective so like objectively speaking when it comes to music production referencing super important right knowing what sort of like volume levels what like your sonic distribution has to look like across the frequency curve all of those things are relatively objective things that referencing you know if you want to be in the edm space you need to know like what does volume have to look like what does my compression and limiting have to be to kind of compete with you know kygo or i don't know anybody in the edm space or whatever the, the case is Subjectively speaking, when you talk about songwriting and art and the vision that you're trying to create, I think it all depends on what got you into music in the first place. For me, what got me into music was that it was therapeutic for me to write music, right? It got got ideas in my head out that I wanted to get out. And so for me, I just let that take the driver's seat and I wrote songs that I needed to write and however they ended up sounding was however they ended up sounding. However, I've seen other people who do more of like a trend chasing kind of trying to capture the sounds that are popular right now. And there's nothing wrong with that either. Right. And in which case referencing popular tracks is like really important when it comes to your songwriting process and stuff like that. So on the objective side, it's super important on this, on the subjective side, depends on what your motivations are. Do you want to write a song that, you know, is therapeutic for you and says what you want to say, or do you want to write a song that's going to be commercially, you know, sellable, popular or syncable in mo- movies and film and things like that? In which case, 
you might want to reference the Harry Styles song. You may want to reference, you know, something in the, the commercial space, but I think that depends a bit more on your motivations. Mm. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. And, you know, it is interesting that there's that, like that balancing, that balancing line too, right? Like if you were trying to emulate someone like too much, then it kind of yeah. comes across as shallow or just like a, a copy. It's like a less good version of the original thing. It's like, oh, yeah. it's like this, but it's just not quite as, as good because it's kind of lacking that that substance or it's lacking that that truth. But, and also like in that case too, like a lot of times, you know, you're tracing trends that as soon as like you guys, as soon as you realize they're a trend, it's like, okay, well now that trend is not the new trend anymore. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> right, like the yeah. next wave, right? So you have to get to like look ahead even before like you have to look at kind of where things going. But at the same time, you know, for the same reason as you described how powerful it is to surround yourself with the right people who can kind of influence you and kind of elevate your mindset. It does seem like something that might be a mindset block to like, if you don't allow yourself to have references or role models, you know, that, that you can intentionally, if you hear something that you like from, from an artist, you might say, wow, like that really inspires me. I'm going to write that down in my notebook so I can do something similar. I can kind of take these ideas. I think there's kind of that balancing act where you want to make it your own, but yeah. you can, you can learn from others at the same time. That's totally okay. Yeah. You, you got to just know what your strengths are and lean into them because otherwise you'll just always wish you had what someone else did. Like I remember when I first started practicing singing, I wanted to sound like Wesley Schultz from the Lumineers. He was like my, my idol as the guy I wanted to sound like. And so I used to try and sing like him, right? Like I wasn't singing as me, I was singing as him, but and this is way, way, way back. And then eventually I got to the point where I said, well, I suck singing as him. I need to figure out what it is that makes my voice unique, you know? And mm. I could spend all my time wishing that I had his voice. And I'm sure he spends all his time wishing he had someone with a less rough sounding voice or, uh, you know, more technically whatever. If you spend all your time wishing you had someone else to sound, then you'll never figure out what your own is. And obviously it's a learning process every day, even for me, figuring out what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses. But I think it's better served analyzing that than trying to replicate someone else you know it's just mm -hmm. using them as influences to to create your own sound is probably more beneficial but i don't know that's that's a super super good point yeah and it, i feel like that's something that a lot of the most successful artists talk about in their own stories when they were able to sort of let go of trying to be someone or something else mm -hmm. and they were able to kind of reclaim and kind of you know fully, the the part that feels like a flaw or the part that feels like it's not good enough about about you is like actually the thing in a lot of cases where that's actually the you know it's, it's almost, oh, i've heard this described as like turning poison into medicine mm. and a lot of times you know that flaw is actually the thing that that's actually the greatest the greatest benefit yeah there's like an artist I always think of, his name is Borns. He sings Electric Love. I don't know if you know that song, but he's got this really, really high pitched voice. And I always think that I, I go like, he probably wishes that he had a, grew up wishing that he had a deep voice or something like that. And everybody who has a deep voice wishes they had his voice, right? And so you got to just make do with what you have and figure out what your strengths and weaknesses are. And otherwise you'll, you'll never start anything, you know? Mm, 100%. Cool, man. Well, hey, this has been a lot of fun and I feel like we were able to, to cover some ground here that was really like pretty fundamental and a lot of like mindset areas that hopefully everyone that's listening got got a lot out of it. So thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, this was for, a blast. 
Heck yeah. So thank you again so much for, for taking the time to come on here live. And and for anyone who is, is listening or watching this right now who would like to connect more, maybe listen to your music and also check out you know mastering, mastering.com, what's the best place for them to go to dig deeper? Yeah. So for the business side of things, it would be mastering.com. If you go to our website, we've got videos. You can book a call with us. You might end up on a call with me and we can talk through your music and the intermediate plateau and where you're at. If you want to check out my music, it's telco, all lowercase T-E-L-C-O on Spotify. And you can find me on Instagram and TikTok now at telco underscore music. Awesome. Well, and, like uh, always, we'll make sure. Oh, go, I was go just ahead. gonna say two tracks. One new track coming out August nineteenth. I have a cover song of a nineteen seventy five song coming out on August nineteenth. So look out for that as well. Awesome. Cool, man. So like, like always, we'll I'll put all the links and everything in the show note for easy easy access. And yeah, I super appreciate appreciate you coming on here to share your your story. What I, what I really appreciate about you is that you're someone who is again walking the walk and you know you're kind of going through this process yourself you're a musician yourself that you you know you just kind of took this leap that a lot of people are, are terrified to do i think it takes a lot of courage to do what you did so i just want to you know honor you for, oh, for being able to take a, a leap like that and try and i would highly absolutely and, and and i would highly encourage everyone to to like mastering.com the community that you guys have built seems like such a positive you know environment yeah. for artists who are looking to surround themselves with the right people and continue to grow. So I'm glad that we've had an opportunity to, to connect and looking forward to you know collaborating more. And for everyone who's here right now who hasn't yet, I would definitely recommend checking out the show notes to go listen to the songs and check out mastering.com. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. It was a blast. And I appreciate everything that you're doing for indie music as well. Thanks, man. Yeah. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guests today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That, that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode. <laughs>